Hey guys, thank you so much for taking some time to listen to our Revive podcast. Man, I'm so glad that you have taken the opportunity to join us in studying God's Word and talk about how we can apply it in our lives. We would love for you to join us if you're able in person. For more information about when we meet, visit fhrevive.com. But hey, let's go ahead and get right into this week's lesson. Just so that we can remind ourselves of what we're dealing with, what we're talking about, and center our mind on the idea of abiding with God. Because today we're going to look at some practical ways by which we do abide with God. By which we can, we probably the proper grammar. But in John 15, um, we, we read a couple of different verses. So we'll start in verse 4. And we'll start with this. And remember, this is Jesus talking about plants and talking about having a relationship with him. And in verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot, cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It says, By this the Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to start back in verse 4. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my fathers glorify that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Fathers love me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So he talks about abiding there. And last week we talked about abiding is more synopsis with the idea of remaining with God. Um, he says to oh, abide means that you stay with God in connection to mind, location, and a time. So I think of it like, uh, hey, stay with me like in this building and stay with me like, hey, stay with me like I'm talking, like track with me and then stay with me like continually for time. So when we are abiding with God, we're spending time with God. We're being in the same place as God and we're kind of on the same wavelength as God. Not that we could be on God's wavelength because that's a whole other topic, but like we're spending time intentionally seeking the Father being with God. So this idea of abiding is actually the thing that, according to this passage, says we bear much fruit. Now, the idea of bearing fruit in our life is that we're living the life that God has for us. We're living the life that is um, not the life of John 10, 10, where it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the second half of that, and I've come that you may have life, have it abundantly. So the abundant life that we live is the life that's one of abiding. Now, we see over and over again that he says, you cannot bear fruit unless you abide. And then he says, if my words 
um, abide in you, if my words remain in you, if like if God's word stays with us. So last week we talked a little bit about some disciplines of how we could do that. Do I remember that at all? We talked a little bit about discipline. Well, so this week we're going to go into a more practicalities of some of those disciplines and go from there. Okay, so let's back up. Why are we talking about abiding when we're in anxiety class? Well, let's back up even more to discuss anxiety. So we talked about how of the people who are 18 and older, 18% of the U.S. population has anxiety, right? And we saw that when it comes to college students, it actually doubles to where it's 41%. So two out of every five people deal with anxiety. And so we said, okay, we're going to deal with anxiety in our lives, and we're going to deal with anxiety in our friends' lives, and we're going to kind of deal with all that. So how do we deal with this? Well, the very biggest tool we have, and we talked about this last week, is, is remaining, abiding with God, because that's our avenue by which we can bear fruit. But we also talked about how that's the one that we don't want to do um, because it requires a lot of discipline in our life. And there are these spiritual practices. And that there are different ways that we can combat our anxiety. Like there are different um, real step-by-step methodical ways to taking thoughts captive. And we're going to break down how we do that in probably next week. Um, but the idea here is that our biggest tool is by spending time with the Lord. So we cannot be equipped to fight our anxiety without using our greatest weapon, right? Like if you if you were in a war and you didn't use your greatest weapon, you'd be a fool. And I'm not calling you fools, but I, I am saying like our biggest weapon is how we're spending time with the Lord. And when it comes to spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, I hear a lot of questions with people, a lot of people wondering, how do I engage with them? Because sometimes when you say, hey, I just need to spend more time with God, we just think, pray and read my Bible. Like this is it. And God's actually given us a lot of different ways that we can interact with Him, not just through prayer and reading the Scripture. And so we're going to spend a closer look today going um, through some of those ideas. Uh, last week we talked about how when moments of tension come in our life, we try to respond correctly in the moment. Do you all remember that? And how we struggle in the moment because we haven't taken on the totality of Jesus' life. We've just taken on those moment by moment. What would you just do in those moments? Well, I, that's why we have to look so much at these individual types of disciplines. So there are a, a ton of different different um, different disciplines. So today isn't going to be as much um, theoretical and let me read this scripture to you. Today's going to be more, I want to give you all just some different things that you can do with your interaction with the Lord. Particularly, I want to say here are some spiritual practices that will help with anxiety like these are the ones that are parallel really well to this so some of this will be very 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 practical like i might say something about solitude and then i might give some practical tips about solitude that makes sense all right cool we awake all right cool um so the first one i kind of want you to understand i want to read a quote by a guy named john ordberg and i want you to listen to this he says practices such as reading scripture and prayer are important not because they prove how spiritual we are, but because God can use them to lead us into life. Did y'all catch that? Like these practices are important, not because we can say, look how spiritual I've been. I feel good. I've read my Bible. I'm a good Christian. I'm okay. But that the practices that we do of meeting with God are actually the things that lead us into life. They put us into, into the position to have a deeper relationship with God. Um, a lot of times people say like, I just want to have a deeper relationship with God. How do I get there? These practices put you in a position to do that. Um, just like weightlifting puts you in a position to perform on game day, right? Same idea. 
So the very first one I want to talk I want to talk about today is one called meditation. So, um, and I have a really cool handout that I will uh, send in that Slack. Um, I gave it to the Sunday crew and kind of overwhelmed them a little bit by it. So I'm going to give that on Slack if y'all just want to like use it as a resource. It's going to break down all of these different disciplines and things that we're, we're talking about. But meditation, I want y'all to think about two different things on meditation. My notes left me. But the, the two different things that I want you to think about are that in meditation, we're able to hear the voice of God and we're able to concentrate our thoughts. So there are two ways that we're doing this. We're focusing to hear the voice of God and at the same time, reminding ourselves on the truth of God. Um, let me give you some, some practicalities. We'll start with the second one. Reminding ourselves of God's truth. So we've talked about Bible reading and why it's important and Bible reading plan and all of those things. But let's just say that in order for God's word to richly dwell in us, that's what Paul says, like when the word of God richly dwell in you. In John 15, Jesus says that my words remain in you. For something to really stick with you, you got to think about it, right? And so one of the things that is practiced in meditation and is super helpful with anxiety in correcting like uh, erroneous thoughts in our head is by placing truth into our life. Um, and so meditation, let's just say, so Psalm 23, 1 says, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? You just wanted to spend some time thinking about that scripture. Meditation gives you the opportunity to sit down, take a, a bunch of deep breaths. I know it sounds like super monk-like to, to like, for someone to tell you to breathe, but like it's huge. And then in that process, begin to reflect on the truths of that. That's one type of meditation. Another type of meditation is by um, asking God just to speak in general. Um, we're going to get to that a little more extensively when we talk, we talk about silence and solitude. But the main thing that we have to understand from meditation is that the active voice of God is, is looking to penetrate our thoughts. And we've got to create space for him to do that. Because if we do not create space, then we're always creating our thoughts. And we're, when we're only living by our thoughts, we will be a slave to the things around us because the things in our mind are having control. So have we created space for God to speak? This happened in my life a couple different ways. But I was realized that at nighttime, I would go busy, busy, busy. I'd be on my phone. I'd be watching shows or I'd be working. I'd be with people. I'd be productive, super productive. I love being productive. And I would lay in bed and then I would just watch a show or I would just do whatever. And I never actually gave my brain time to process anything that was going on and let alone process it with the Lord. And so a huge thing we want to take away from meditation is that we, have we created space to meet with God? Um, and the biggest tip that I would give you here um, is, is finding a quiet space. Um, if you are trying to hear the voice of God, it's much harder to do in a noisy environment. Um, and so finding place, you're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about going for walks. We're gonna talk about sitting in silence, um, rising early, or maybe just sitting somewhere where no one else is, those types of things. That's huge. I wanna talk a little bit about prayer. Let's move on to the next one here, prayer. He's gonna all weave together. Um, and remember, we're looking for one thing today. One to two things. Two different ways that I would love to encourage you to integrate prayer into your life. 
And that's the big phrase there, integrating prayer into your life. So there needs to be two different types of prayer. There's an as-you-go prayer, but at the same time, there's an intentional moment of prayer. So think of it like this, like in between classes, in between um, driving from point A to point B, what you're doing is you're bringing God into that space. When, when Paul says that we are to pray without ceasing, is that our relationship with God stays in the, in the front of our mind. That doesn't mean that we can't talk to anyone because we're praying, right? That means that we're bringing our relationship with God into all of our spaces. So like in your classes later today, or in your job later today, or when you're at cheer, or when you're babysitting my kids, or like you're bringing God into that space because as a way of praying as you go. So you're infusing God in that space. Some practical tips of how I've seen this to do. Sometimes when I'm driving, I have to turn the radio off because I need to pray. I need to, I need to center myself for the Lord. Um, sometimes on a lunch break, if like all my friends bailed on me and it's just and it's just me, you know, it's super easy to like get a sandwich and doom scroll, right? But to say, okay, now I'm gonna actually sit outside and I'm gonna pause. And even if it's just 10, 15 minutes, I'm just gonna recenter my mind on the Lord. What you'll find is that this battle of anxiety can't be fought just in big bursts. It can't be fought from like, okay, I'm gonna do it in the morning and like, I'm gonna just try to do that. I'm gonna do it maybe at night. It's kind of, it's a battle that wages throughout the day. And so if we infuse times of prayer into our day, we'll see that. Um, oh, and then I'd love to share one thing. Uh, growing up, I had a mentor and um, God bless me with a lot of mentors. It's a really cool story if you want to hear about that in Taylor. But one of the things that he said is that, hey, every morning I want you to start with saying, God, this is your day. And, uh, and I've kind of added to it, like, God, this is your day. Like, you're in control. Um, but this isn't something I say every day, but it, it is something I say very frequent. Uh, I mean, like, very first thing in the morning. It's an acknowledgement of who's, whose day it is. Has been tremendous. Um, and it's been something that's sustainable. When you look at all these practices, one of the things that you're going to be tempted with is to just try everything. <laughs> and what we have to understand is that spiritual growth has to be sustainable growth. So you're wanting to build on blocks. So as we do these certain types of practices, as we're combating anxiety, but also, and I've kind of talked about this a lot, all of this stuff applies across the board. As we're dealing with that, we have to think about sustainable. What can I do that can last? Yet at the same time, we can't say, well, I only want to do like one small, small, small thing because nothing else will last. Like, no, it's okay to like go for it but do it in a way that's sustainable. All right, concentrated times of prayer. I kind of mentioned that there are two ways to integrate prayer, integration into your regular life and the more concentrated time of prayer. You know, um, I reminded of a, of a verse in one of King David's Psalms, and he says that God is a refuge, pour your heart out to him, trust in him at all times. And he uses that phrase, pour your heart out. And I think there's space for us to do this. We're, this is our prayer, we're familiar with this type of prayer. But do you, do you have a, not necessarily a space and a time, because while that is incredibly ideal, like if you, you, and there's precedent for that. In the book of Daniel, and Daniel would go up and pray in his window facing out toward the city at noon every day. That's what scripture tells us. There's precedent for that. But also there's precedent for just setting aside intentional time to, uh, for prayer. So whether or not you want to, kind of make that in the morning or when you make that at the evening or make that at lunch. 
having a time of prayer and for me praying out loud has helped my mind focus into the depths of things we're going to talk a bit more about study and all of that um and solitude but yeah let's go we'll come back to prayer more um because we're, we're kind of familiar with prayer i want to talk about another discipline um one that's kind of often overlooked um I want to talk about a discipline of simplicity. So when we think about the disciplines, you might just think about like prayer, silence, fasting, meditation. But one of the major disciplines here is simplicity. Now, why does simplicity have something to do with anxiety? Well, because at the core of simplicity says that simplicity is an inward reality that has an outward expression. Okay? That, think about it. If someone lives a life of simplicity, they don't just live simply outside, but it, it comes from something within them, right? I want you think about anxiety. Anxiety is an inward reality that has an outward expression, which is literally what I just said about <laughs> simplicity. So I think that these two can be related to each other. I want to remind you of Matthew six thirty-three. And when Jesus is talking, and he says some, st- some stuff about anxiety, and, um, and we're, we'll get to those verses eventually, but he says that we are to seek first the kingdom of heaven. And he says, and, and all these other things we added unto you later. And so I love that. At the core of simplicity is what we're seeking after and what we're going after. He says, seek first God's kingdom, and all these other things we added unto you. So here's the three key attitudes of our heart to help us understand the internal focus of someone with simplicity. So I want you to think about the things that you, your possessions, okay? That's how we're going to look at simplicity today. You know, if what we have, we receive as a gift from God, that's a mark of simplicity. If what we have, we understand that God has given us to care for it for God, we're given, given it by God to care for it. So if we received it as a gift from God, we received it as something to care for, and and what we have is available to others, then that's a mark of simplicity. And it's, that's very interesting. That practice right there of viewing what God has given us as from God, um, that we have the responsibility to care for it from God, and that it is available to others. To begin to view our life and the, and the things that we have in our life as that way is actually a spiritual practice, which might seem counterproductive because you're like, where in the world Does prayer, where in the world does worship fit into all of that? Well, think about the things you have. If you're able to give them to someone else, you begin to prioritize their needs above your own, right? And that's mirrored all throughout Scripture. And what you're doing is you're actually denying your flesh power to make decisions in your life. We talked about our anxiety living in the soul, right? And how it's in the soul that our mind, will, and emotions operate. And that we're operating by our flesh when... We are in charge. And so when we actually are training our body to deny itself and to give to others, we're training the submission of our soul to the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So simplicity is a way that teaches us to deny ourselves, not in a self-deprecating way. And to deny ourselves always has like this weird sense in our head, like it's 2021 and that's got to be bad. But it's not self-deprecating. But it's in order to allow the Holy Spirit of God to help us make decisions. There's some tips for like things. And these are ones that I've been having to like sort through on my own. Uh, but some tips that I was able to 
kind of fine where like, you know, buy, buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. If you want to live simply, right? You know, reject something that's pr- producing addiction in us. It's this idea of self-denial. Denial to self, to love and care for others. Enjoy things without owning them. Yeah, when our, when our internal focus is clear, and we, I want to go back to that Matthew 6, 33, when our internal focus is to seek first the kingdom of God, it, it's able to help us make decisions and, and understand processes more clearly. Clearly. <laughs> um, which allows us to produce simplicity. Which allows our brain to rethink the way that we deal with anxiety in our life. Just makes sense. All right, cool. So that's a fun one. I think that's a fun one. I don't know if y'all do, but I think it's fun. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about silence and solitude. Okay, so one of the biggest things that you can do in your fight with anxiety is to um, sit quiet and sit by yourself. Sit quiet and sit by yourself. Now, here's what I also know. Most people who who deal with anxiety have a hard time sitting in quiet, right? Just in general, sitting in quiet is hard. Um, It's not something that we're very much accustomed to, right? There's noise everywhere, on our phones everywhere. People, so to sit in quiet means that I've now brought an uncomfortable feeling. But to sit in quiet means that I've created space for me to hear from God, for me to get those all kinds of thoughts that have just been running through my head from a busy day out of my head, and I'm able to finally sit and listen to God. So silence is a huge, huge, huge practice. You would see that often in the life of Jesus, and I could literally show you a ton of scripture, but it says, in Jesus rising early in the morning to pray, went somewhere away from his disciples. He would go to mountains often. And he would sit in a mountain and he'd he'd have communion with God and then come back. And then after coming back from that, would perform miracles and be filled with the Spirit of God. So it's from that. If you see one of the secrets of Jesus' life was that he got away by himself and he got quiet. And he prayed. And I think that's so huge. I'm going to always advocate for us reading scripture, right? I'm going to always advocate for that. I'm also going to equally advocate that we need to sit with God and just be still. And now, solitude and silence are something that are learned. That's huge. I have to say that first and foremost. They are a muscle memory type of ordeal. So if sitting in silence is super hard for you, Okay, what's our phrase? We're wanting sustainable growth, right? So if sitting in in silence is hard for you, start with like 30 seconds. Start with one minute. Work your way up to five. Sit somewhere for 10 minutes. And then just continue to grow. So to sit in silence, I love this. Richard Foster, who's like a super awesome dude, but he says that, Solitude frees us from the noisy chatter that's so characteristic of, of our life. Think about that, like the, the brain chatter. I think that's my phrase. 
new phrase, brain shatter, is that silence frees us from that. And, and it actually allows us um, to gain perspective on life um, and to hear the voice of God in the midst of chaos. I, I was talking to some of our interns the other day, and one particularly was really busy, and we were talking about uh, schedule and what to do. And one of the things I recommended, I said, in the midst of chaos, you have to ground your soul to the reality of who God is. You have to ground your soul to what's what God, who God said he was going to be and how we should respond. And it's in times of silence, just sitting with God, breathing. Um, I've heard people say you want to breathe in the presence and love of God, breathe out the chaos in your mind. And just that simple practice of, now obviously you're not literally doing that, right? Like this is meant to be something that just helps our mind focus. But what we're able to do in that moment is create space. Silence and solitude. Solitude, if you're able to get away by yourself, it's a huge help because in the, when it's just solitude, this is, this is scary but crazy and trippy and weird. So when it's just you and God, the things that we've hidden that we haven't dealt with resurface and there and we're exposed before God and it's in that solitude that we're forced to deal with it before God which is beautiful because God is looking to do that work in us and so in times of extreme frustration in your life in times of anxiety one solution that I want to propose to you is to go spend some time in solitude it, I mean even things like going and um, just spending 24 hours by yourself to get away, just sit with God. You'll see that it's in that space that God wants to speak to you in that moment. Let's look at a couple more. I think y'all doing good? We're, we're still doing good? Good. I see y'all. Y'all doing great. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Um, Hmm. Yeah. All right. I want to ask you a little bit of um, about about study. Now, this is the one that everyone thinks about when they think of of, of a spiritual discipline, and and I don't want to beat the head on it too much because you guys have heard numerous things about study. Um, but what I would say is that we actually God has called us called us to study, and and that there are different ways to engage the text. And, and I could spend literally all semester talking about this. But I would, what I would say is that you can be in your Bible every day. Like, that's something you can do. And, and the, the thing is, we've told ourselves that that's legalistic, and we've told ourselves, I can't do it. And just the thing that I'm just wanting y'all to see is that it, you 100% can. And if you're not, it's not meant to kill you. Like, you're not going to kill yourself about it. But to have the mind of Christ means that we're letting God's thoughts be placed into our mind. And John 15 says that his word remains with us. And you can daily immerse yourself with the thought of God. Like, that's something you can do. Um, and, and I just want y'all to see that. And not to, like, if you don't do it, you're a bad Christian. But just... So that you begin to understand it in your mind. It's an actual possibility for me to meet with God every day. 
Now, let's talk about that a little bit more because I've been seeing a ton of a lot of different people wanting to meet with God more and more, and I love it. Um, you know, um, just real quick, and we won't go into this much more than kind of what I want to here, but when you're reading Scripture, prioritize knowledge, but also prioritize application. You're going to see and when we're dealing with Scripture, people often fall on one side. They read it just to understand it, or they read it to apply it. Correct Bible reading fuses the two together. Okay. Now, when do you read your Bible? Now, this is the one that I'm going to be picky with and say, you better give me a time and a place. And not necessarily you have to give it to me, but y'all understand what I'm trying to say. Like, because if you do not have a set time and place, you will not read. Like, if, if, if I didn't have the time and I knew exactly what I read every single day, I would not read. And why do I know that? Because when I didn't have that, I didn't read. Like, it's that simple. But now that I have that and I've built it, I read more. And the reason I go back to every day is because if I'm able to do it every day, I've built consistency. Versus if I'm just going like three times a week, it's not really something I'm consistent with. I just kind of do it here or do it there and do it here. Versus every day, I've built it into my life. Just like you brush your teeth every day, hopefully. <laughs> right? Or you shower every day, hopefully. Or anything along those lines. Like you eat. <laughs> right? You have to build it into that because you want sustainable growth. All right. I could talk forever about the Bible. Um, but I want you to hear that the way that you you interact with God is much more than the scripture. But is we are we are not to ever neglect this. Now, if you're struggling to read scripture and you're struggling to understand it at all, it's okay to to go to a different section of scripture that you do understand and start from there. You want to build on what you know. That is totally okay. But it's also meant to be done something we can do together. I want to get back to study. I'm going to get back to study. I want to say one or two more things. Um so let's go down to, um, yeah, I want to highlight two more. You're cool with two more? Okay. Um, this next one is ooh, super fun and like super a little, uh, a little dicey, uh, a little extra in the morning. But it's the discipline of confession. Now, this is a spiritual practice. I want you to hear what James says. Now, James he he wrote, and in the fifth chapter, he says his little one-liner, um, which is huge. But remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus, right? Um, so he comes from kind of interacting with God, understands a little bit. And he says that we are to confess our sins to one another so we might be healed. He says that the way that you actually are healed is by confessing your sins to one another. Y'all have heard this verse before. He says, confess your sins to one another so you might be healed. Let's talk a little bit about anxiety. Now, am I saying that your anxiety is a sin in your life? No, because I know it is so much more and complex than that. And I, I know that there are parts of it that are sinful. There are parts of us that are chemical. There are parts of it that we're working through. It's a very complex situation. I understand all that. But what I am seeing is that healing in our life comes from confessing sin in our life to one another. So in order, in the context of confession, what does that look like? This is where I always quote Usher 
Uh, but <laughs> I won't do that today. So when looking at confession, how do you confess? Well, you, there's two different types of confession. There's to God and to others, right? And so when you have confession, there are things that you have done that are against you in the Lord, against God alone. And, um, and David would say, against God and God alone have I sinned. So we have to, in that moment, confess our sin to the Lord. There's also another type of confession, and that's when it deals with others. And that confession needs to be done towards someone else. It's in the moments of confession that light is shined into a darkness of our soul. Remember, we talked about the first week that all of us have dark places in our life that we don't like to shine light on because we don't want other people to see, right? And that the way that you heal from the dark, hidden places in your life is that you begin to shine light on them. You allow God into that space, and you allow, you allow trusted individuals into that space. And it's in that space that healing emerges. Well, one of the huge practices that is used in that is confession. So it's in this dark area of life that when we confess our sin one that God has allowed us to heal um, I you know you want to use I always say you need to be honest open and transparent when you're confessing um, but if someone's confessing sin to you and you're wounded by what they said even a wounded person can forgive I think that's what I'm want to communicate there if someone's confessing to you confession is a huge part all right, let's leave with a final one. This will be fun. The last one is celebration. And like I said, there are more, but I didn't want to give you all too many. So I took out maybe four or five. I think we need to throw more parties in life, which I think everyone's okay with, right? But I want us to be a culture, and this is scriptural, that um, in Romans 12, when Paul's laying out the marks of a genuine faith, he says that Christians weep with those who are weeping and they rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And so if God has done something in your life, tell someone about it and then celebrate it. If you're seeing God do something in someone else's life, like maybe it's just simple things like, guys, this week I actually met with God on a regular basis. Maybe just someone says that like, man, let's go get ice cream. Like, Let's celebrate it. Like, begin to celebrate when God is doing those great things. Because what you're doing is you're creating a culture that values little things of God moving in people's lives. When God does something, celebrate it. Um, you know, one of the things that um, you want to see here is not just throwing a party, but us taking a moment to thank God in the midst of it. God, thank you that this has happened and now let's party, you know? So I would ask, what are the things that you could celebrate in someone's life? And I think those are all types of different things. You could celebrate someone coming into the Lord. You could celebrate someone coming up to you and saying, hey, look, I've, I just realized that I have this thing in my life I need to deal with, um, and it's keeping me from the Lord. And in that space, you could say, man, thank you for that. I want to celebrate that you've done that. Um, you could say, hey, I want, I've realized this and, and now you've been walking with that person and man, they've just seen tremendous growth. Celebrate it. Maybe you've memorized your first Bible verse. Celebrate it. 
Maybe you are beginning to recognize the voice of God. Celebrate it. You know, are y'all seeing the types of things that we can celebrate? Celebrate milestones in people's spiritual walk. I think that's a good way to put it. You want to celebrate milestones in people's spiritual walk. So here's my final thought before we call today and go back outside and have fun. I called one of my mentors during COVID and I asked him about his thoughts. I just like hearing people's thoughts. And in the midst of it, he gave me a phrase that was very interesting. Um, and we began to talk about the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices, these and the other ones that I haven't mentioned. But And he says, one of the things that we have in our mind is that the spiritual practices are just for the individual. They're not for the community. And this is the phrase he says, but we are not disembodied souls. We are not people that are not connected to each other. And he says, the disciplines were never meant to be something that we did just by ourselves. They're meant to be both communal and individual. Which we understand that. Like think about a study, like you've gone to a Bible study before, right? Like this is real basic where we've studied the Bible together, right? But think about solitude. Imagine the intimacy of friendship you would have with someone if you said, can you come and just sit with me? I would love us to seek God together. You sit over there. I'm going to sit right here. And we're just going to interact with God. What does that do? That bridges us together in a very deep and personal way. Because we see that from just prayer, right? Praying with someone is very intimate and personal. Well, it's also true with solitude. It's also true with confession. Like that's has someone else in there. Celebration that's with someone else. We talked about this with simplicity. That's with someone else. And we're caring for the needs of others. I guess what I want you to kind of throw in your head is these disciplines were not meant to be something you just did by yourself, but fuse them together. We didn't talk about fasting, but fasting with someone, right? We didn't talk about, um, well, we didn't talk about a few things, but the idea here is that what you're doing is you're doing it together. And yeah, there are these spiritual practices such as sitting, listening to the Lord, meditating on God's scripture, really, really diving into scripture, under, trying to understand it, living a simple life, celebrating the wins in someone's life, um, confessing sins to one another. These are There are practices here, but all of those practices can be done with someone else and they can also be done individually. So begin to think about that. And if you're brave, invite someone into that space with you. Everybody wants to be the person that gets texted. Be the person that texts first, right? But you be the person that texts first and invite someone into that space and say, hey, I'm actually planning on meeting with God on Thursday morning. Would you like to come sit with me? We're going to meet at the Arboretum. You know, something cool like that to where all you're doing is just, I'm going to sit with God. And I just thought... I would enjoy your company. Can you imagine receiving that text? And be like, yes, why would I not do that? That sounds awesome. These disciplines can be from community. That makes sense? All right. Can I ask if you guys 
have any questions about any of those disciplines, I, I'm, am. Uh, I've got a couple minutes, but if any practical questions about those things, like I said, I have a handout that kind of lays out some of the stuff that you could look at. But even any questions about implementing or practicing any of those things, or how in the world do you do so, such and such, or a different type of lesson today? I'm fully aware. Any thoughts? Well, think about it, and if you have any thoughts, just let me know. Um, or if you want to know, we can kind of go in-depth on all of these. There's little practical things you could do here and there for all of them. Um, and we can talk about that if y'all want it. Uh, I like coffee. We can sit and chat. Can I pray for y'all? Do you mind if I do that? Okay. God, thank you that you've given us these spiritual practices as opportunities by which we can position ourselves to interact with you. And God, that's what I pray that we do, that we position ourselves. We're ready to interact with you. We're ready to abide with you. We're ready to let your word remain in us because that's when change comes. The only way to bear good fruit is to abide. It's the only way. The only way we overcome things in our life is by abiding with you. That's what your word says. The only way. And God, help us not to just think in our head, well, abiding with you, okay, I have a relationship with God, check, I'm good. But there's deepness to it. There's depth. That abiding with you has depth. And forgive our just simple minds when we say, oh yeah, I, I know how to have a relationship with God. I'm good. But there's depth to it. And may these practices make sense in these girls' lives. Lord, guide us. And today, when you give them energy and enthusiasm in their studies, when you give them favor in relationships, opportunities to share who you are, May they take it. May you guide them. In your name, amen.